All right, well, good morning again, and welcome to this first gathering of Providence Baptist Church in the new decade, uh, which is crazy for me. The teens are over, which means the, the bulk of, of my children's elementary school years, like that time period is over, and in this new decade, my oldest three will all graduate high school in this decade, and so it, it is a crazy thought to think about. Um, but the teens are over. Roaring Twenties have returned. It's a new decade. It's a new day. Um, we are moving forward. And so you may be wondering, well, Joe, if we're moving forward, then why, do you, why are we going back to Christmas? Why are you having us read about the Magi and the wise men? Well, for two reasons. One, John talked a little bit about it. But tomorrow, January the 6th, is a traditional day to celebrate Epiphany. All right, so the 12 days of Christmas, I don't know about the Lord's bleeping and the, you know, the d- ladies dancing or as we sang it in Pine Log, four mud grip tires, three shotgun shells, two hunting dogs and parts to a Mustang GT. That's how we sang it there. I don't know if all that's true, but the 12 days of Christmas, like that's a legit deal. That's the way Christmas traditionally is celebrated. A lot of people put up their Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. And then you'd celebrate for 12 days, each day representing something different. And the 12th day sometimes being like kind of the highlight and the culmination. And that is when the Magi appeared to Jesus, when the wise men appeared to Jesus. And so tomorrow, many traditions around the world will celebrate that day by baking king's cakes because Jesus is the king that these wise men came to see. Others will have special blessings on like the doorknobs of their houses, um, blessings of hospitality, that they would show hospitality to other people like Mary and Joseph did to these strangers from the east that they didn't know were coming. They didn't know who they were. They show up and they're like, can we see your baby? Okay, you know, so... (laughs) hospitality, blessings, that's going to happen tomorrow. So that's one reason I just want to always remind us of the liturgical calendar and just, you know, what's come before and how other traditions celebrate uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's one reason. But another reason that I want to talk about the Magi this morning is specifically because when I was reading the Christmas narratives, like all of them, several months ago in preparation for Advent, as I read through Matthew 2 in the story of the Magi, I was struck by something. And it's not the main point of the text. The main point of the text is that these men came to worship King Jesus. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in, the, in a minute. But I was struck by kind of a, a side note, a corollary, just something that kind of got me thinking and got the wheels in my mind turning over a little bit. And it was that these guys were following something like that they visibly could see. Like they were, there was a star that they could see and they were chasing after that thing. They were running after that thing. They were, they were going to follow it no matter where it went, no matter what the cost. Right? They probably came from Babylon 800 miles away. That's a big you know, trip when you're riding camels or, or donkeys or horses or whatever they rode. That's a big trip. That's a big undertaking. They were willing to follow it wherever it went. And so I just started asking like myself personally and then thinking about us as a congregation as, as well. And I was like, well, what is our star? Like, what is my star? What, what am I following after? What are we as a congregation like running after, chasing after, following? And obviously our star is Jesus, right? We want to worship him. We want to see him. We want to follow him just as they did. 
And we summarize that pursuit here at Providence and have for years with what's on the cover of your bulletin. Worshiping and enjoying God and leading others to do the same. That we exist to worship and enjoy God because you cannot worship him or he or you cannot worship what you don't like. Right? Enjoy. So worship and enjoy and lead others to do the same. So that's how we summarize that. And that's going to continue to be the star that we chase after. But as I kind of just kept thinking and reflecting with the year end and those sorts of things, and then wound up talking to the elders about this in October, there's always seemed to be almost kind of like a, a miniature star each year that we have chased after or the Lord's brought into our, our church's life. And so just kind of tracing through those a little bit, uh, in 2009, like for those of you who don't know, our church began as a dumpster fire on, on a train wreck. That's how it began. And so 2009, our shining star that we were following was don't cave, like don't die, like survive. That was the star, survive, make it through 2009. 2010, the star pulled out of the nosedive. And so, by God's grace, we did. He did. And we began growing numerically. We began growing spiritually. 2011, we launched a capital campaign. And that was kind of the, you know, that was focus for 2011. 2012, focus kind of got hijacked a little bit. But it was a year where I learned a lot about what it means to be part of a church because when Eden was born and that just took over our life and consumed our life with her health concerns the first you know six months of her life y'all like just those of you who were here surrounded us prayed for us supported us got us through I mean just saw what it means to be part of a community of of a family of faith that is bears one another's burdens and is there for one another Right? Doesn't quit when it gets hard. Sacrifices for one another. We saw that. So, so 2012, that's, y'all taught me that. And then we rolled into 2013, which is the year that we broke ground on this property. 2014, we moved into this building. 52 people were added to the membership that year. 2015, we spent growing and preparing because we were crowded just like we are right now. We prepared to plant a church in Smyrna, which we did. We sent, and it's in your bulletin, Grace Church Smyrna. We sent Pastor Tom and about 15% of our members to that work. And they're growing and doing great things there in Smyrna, 2016 was when we actually sent them out. 2017, we completely restructured the church in, entirely. 2018, that went into effect, and you began being shepherded by elders. We started really trying to recover what it means to be uh, you know, to follow biblical church membership. And then 2019 was a year that was just filled with a lot of good and, and some you know detail refinement, and also just a little bit of like breathing. Because when you think about all those things I just talked through over the last 10 years of starting, of building, of planting a church, of restructuring your church, of, that is a lot to take place in a decade. And so the Lord has been extremely gracious to us. And so each year we kind of had these little markers, these little stars that we were following. And so coming into this new decade then, the 20s, 
again, with the idea of, of, of the Magi in mind and, you know, what's our star, if worshiping and enjoying God and leading others to do the same is, is, you know, the elephant, then how do we eat that elephant one bite at a time? That, that's the kind of star I'm talking about. Year by year. How do we do that? That's our big one. How do we do it year by year? And so what is the visible star that we are chasing in 2020? But I don't want to just talk about 2020. Also, as we started going through this, 2021, 2022, and 2023. What is the visible star we are chasing across those four years? And so here you go. Here's what it's called. It's called forward. And what it says up here, you may not be able to see in the back, four initiatives... Four years for the glory of God. And with all that emphasis on four, we're going forward, right? So four initiatives, four years for the glory of God. And these are things that we're going, I mean, you're going to be hearing over and over and over. You'll get used to uh, seeing things connected with this in the years to come because I am convinced, as I have been and continue to be, that the Lord wants to do great things in us, corporately and individually, and through us, corporately and individually, and then just out of His grace, He does tons of stuff for us, individually and corporately. In us and through us. Here in Nolensville, the Lord wants to work out into the nations. The Lord wants to work. And so what I want to do this morning is just introduce us to these four initiatives. And so if this is your first time at Providence, this is not the way things usually roll. The typical thing is I step in the pulpit and I say, open up your Bible to such and such text that's on page such and such, and we make our way through it, right? So we'll be starting that back up January the 19th, starting with the book of Ephesians. That'll go all the way to June. We'll study straight through that book, word by word, line by line, verse by verse. But today, we're just kind of talking about, you know, about vision. And I could have completely played off, you know, 2020 vision. We don't want to have hindsight 2020. We want to have vision 2020. But I decided to go with Epiphany and the Magi. Before initiatives, four years for the glory of God. Some of them will take up multiple years. Some of them will be specific to a singular year. But the first one is one that takes up multiple years, and it is the most important one. That's why it continues for multiple years. And so initiative one is this, reaching. All right. So if you want to write it in your all of them are going to have an ING, reaching. Specifically, the way the elders state is we want to see every member intentionally embrace the Great Commission by praying for, investing in, sharing with, and inviting their spheres of influence to know Jesus and be a part of His church. We want to see every member intentionally embrace the Great Commission by praying for, investing in, sharing with, and inviting their sphere of influence to know Jesus and be part of his church. And there are several reasons for this. I mean, this is the mission of God. He wants to redeem people. He wants to save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save sinners, which is all of us, right? And we do that by trusting in him. I mean, Stella and Stephen showed us what that looks like, showed us what the gospel is, what we're trusting in, what that means. So this is the mission of God. And so we want to do this, following the mission of God. We want to do this out of love for Jesus, out of love for our neighbor. But, I mean, Jesus also just straight up tells us to do this, to reach others with 
the gospel because he loves his world and he wants to see people trust in him. And so just a couple, like straight off the lips of Jesus, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Gospel means good news. It's the good news of great joy that the angels announced to the shepherd that there is a savior born in Bethlehem to redeem us from our sins. So Jesus says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, 46, he said to them that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then the granddaddy of them all, like we call the Rose Bowl, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of, in the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we could go on and on with with these commands to share the gospel just straight off the lips of Jesus. But then even stepping outside of Jesus, like this command to share the good news with others so that they can know Christ and be loved by Christ and have a relationship with Christ and have eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of shame and guilt. The release of those things, burdens bared, casting our anxiety on him because he cares for us. All of these, like this is all over the scripture. Every single page. Everywhere. And if you've been hanging around Providence or you're a member here for any length of time, you know this. This is nothing new. You know this. You've heard this. But do you live this? Do you live this? And so, folks, we've talked about it for years with things like every family bring a family, right? With things like write down two names and we put them on a red board, pray for them, invite them, seek to share Christ with them in time, love them, be there for them. We've done this. We've talked about this, right? But it's time to stop talking about it and do it. And so it's time, right? It's time to move forward and and stop just studying the playbook and run the plays. It's time to do that. Reaching. I mean, we have been saved from sin and we've been saved not just from something, but to something. And that too something is the mission of God. And if we don't care if people know Christ or not, like, eh, then we need to wonder if we know Christ. Because you cannot come to grips with the love of God and not be compelled to share. That would be like, you know, going and watching the rise of Skywalker and not being like, you guys need to go see it. Right? Except to the nth degree. You talk about what is important to you. I mean, even Penn of Penn and Teller. Penn's not a Christian, okay? And even though he is not a Christian and thinks actually that we are pretty doggone silly, 
He was glad. He tells the story of how he was so glad that he got what he called proselytized by a Christian man that he met. Because if Christianity was true, right? This is his thing. If Christianity is true and and Jesus is great and, and hell is hot and this guy just kept the message to himself, well, Penn said, then that means that if all that's true and he does not tell me about that, then he has to be the meanest man on the face of the planet because he has this good news and he's like, I'm going to keep it to myself. So even an atheist understands, or agnostic, I'm not sure where he's at, understands that if it's true, we should tell other people about it. And so the lesson here is don't be the meanest guy on the planet. Don't just keep it to yourself. You've been given this good news that there is hope. That there is hope in this world. That there is hope for a broken humanity. There's hope for you and I. That Jesus has come. He has paid for our sins. Anyone who trusts in him can be saved, can be delivered. He's coming again to fix all that's gone wrong. To make all the sad things come untrue. There's hope in this world. So don't keep like we've been. That's truth. Tell that. Then we've been commanded to tell that. If we love other people, we'll tell that. And so tell that. Don't don't keep the gospel to yourself. We've been commanded to make disciples of all the nations. And part of the story of the Magi and and Epiphany and all that we've talked about, this is what it's all about. Is when you think about Matthew 2, it shows us that God wields the universe to make his son known and worshipped. That's his great goal in all things. That his son be known and worshipped. And so let's read Matthew 2 again. And let me show you a couple of things out of it. Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Page 807 in the Bibles around you. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, a.k.a. magi, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. It's, Christ means Messiah. It was connected like there's a star that's going to rise. There's a Messiah that's going to come. These guys are probably from Babylon. They probably had some influence of Jews that were still in there that had not come back after the deportation and had shared this, this prophecy of a Christ, a Messiah that is coming. And so they come, said, King of the Jews. King's like, whoa, what's up with that? Where is this Christ guy supposed to be born? Verse 5, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Right? Self-preservation. He's going to take him out. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had, they had seen when it rose went before them 
until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, we read that story and we just get all weirded out and fixated on this star thing. What is that star? How did it appear? How did they know to start following this star? And, and then when they get to Jerusalem, they just wander to Jerusalem because they just said they saw the star and then it moves and it, and it goes to Bethlehem and comes to rest over this house. How, how can that work? And we, so we just ask all kinds of questions and get weirded out about all that. The Bible doesn't tell us any of that. It doesn't tell us how it did it, right? It doesn't show us that at all. But what the Bible does show us is that this star or light or whatever it is, is doing something that it cannot do on its own. The supernatural God of the universe is supernaturally doing something, and here's why, to guide the magi who were like court magicians or astrologers, probably from Babylon or Persia. It's guiding these guys, non-Jews, unclean. It's guiding these guys, whether huge entourages that are coming with them, bodyguards and attendants and all. It's guiding all these folks to Jesus to worship him. This is what God does. He guides people. He leads people. And all of us have a circuitous way that we come to it. But God is using every element of your life, seeking to draw you to himself. It's how he does this, and he can do it supernaturally, universally here. He's doing something with planets or stars or, or just some sort of light he created. If he spoke everything into existence, he can do with that existence whatever he wants. So in Matthew here, he's doing it with some sort of intentionality with stars to get foreign magi to Bethlehem so they can worship him. In Luke, it describes how he does this with the Roman Empire. And he says, hey, um, let's have a census so that we can get this virgin who lives in Nazareth, Mary. We can get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. They've got to go there to pay taxes for the census. So he moves the whole empire to call this census. This is is how God works. This is what God does. He works everything that we can't see because we're so limited and finite. But he's working everything for his purposes globally. Eternally, but also individually for each one of you, each one of us. And he did it then, he's doing it now. His aim is that the nations, Matthew 24, all the nations would worship him. Friends, it is God's will that your neighbors, your co-workers in the office at work, your school classmates, your people in the gym, at the salon, all these places that you have people you know that are your spheres of influence that God's put in your life, not my life, not someone else's life, your life. It is God's will, John 4, 23. I mean, these, the Father seeks to worship Him. People in your home, people in your workplace. And I also want you to notice out of Matthew 2, 
the beginning of Matthew. So as we think about the beginning of Matthew, Matthew 2 here, and then we'll have Matthew 28. The beginning of Matthew, we have this come and see kind of paradigm, kind of approach. An invitation, hey, come and see this. And then at the end of Matthew, chapter 28, you've got the Great Commission, which is a go-and-tell paradigm or pattern. Both of these are part of this idea of reaching, this first initiative. Inviting people to church and telling people about Jesus and doing these things consistently. And when I speak of telling people about Jesus, I'm not talking about some drive-by gospel infomercial where you do all the talking, they do all the listening, and at the end you say, you want to buy it? I'm not talking about that. When you do that, at best, at best you come off as, and at worst you actually are, a graceless, self-righteous fool who treats people like projects to be completed instead of individuals to be loved. And just think about your own experiences for a minute. How many of you had a Jehovah's Witness come to your house? How many of you had a Mormon come to your house? How many of you have had a pyramid scheme, multi-level marketing person come to your house? Which one's worse? <laughs> but still, you, you have felt that like high pressure, you know, salesmanship. And were you, did you feel loved in any of those? Just that high pressure. No, of course you didn't. So don't do that. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what the apostles did. Instead, share the gospel lovingly, patiently, personally, with grace and kindness, concern and care for those that God has put in your path. Jonathan Dodson rightly points out, most conversions are not the result of a single point-in-time conversation, but the culmination of a personal process that includes doubt, reflection, gospel witness, love, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so invest time with People. I make it a regular practice to invite people to church and let them see, come and see, right? Matthew 2, let them see how we love one another, how we care for one another, how we bear burdens of one another, how we don't quit on one another when someone sins against us, but we work that out with forgiveness and long-suffering and patience with one another. The community. And so come and see side of the coin, but then also make it a regular practice to fulfill the go and tell side of the coin by looking for people and opportunities that the Lord puts in your path, because He does, to influence within your sphere of influence and start gospel conversations with. And listen, if you're hearing all this and you're like, I'm not sure I want to commit to any of this Jesus stuff, any of this Christianity stuff, but I would like to have a little bit more of a conversation about that. Like, what is it all about? If we boil it down to the basics, what are the basics? Then shoot me an email. You have my email on your uh, bulletin or any of the other elders or pastors. Shoot us an email. Let's get together and we'll figure out a time to set something up and and talk about it a little bit. But friends, this is initiative one. The next four years, reaching and intentionality about every member doing this. Not talking, but doing it. 
because we love Jesus, we love other people, he's told us to do it. It's the, faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. It is the only way that others will know you have to talk. So reach him. That's why we're here, mission of God, fulfill that, right? That's initiative one, and it spans the next four years. Initiative two is specific to this year. It's a 2020 distinctive, and it's this, it's, it's parking, it's parking, like that. It's parking out there. And the specifics are this. Complete the full parking lot ASAP. Why? Because we are consistently running out of paved parking. Tons of cars, I mean, I can see them right now, are parked in the grass. And that's fine and everything, but we cannot build the next phase until like, it has to, we have to have parking. By going ahead and doing the parking now... That takes that much cost off the next phase. And also we won't have cars because we have had, I think it was you, John, get stuck out there in the mud on a rainy day. And so, initiative two, 2020, we are going to pave the rest of the parking lot. It, it is going to happen. In fact, we've, got, we've already got diagrams going on this. Hasn't been approved by the city. We don't have a cost yet, but we do have diagrams going on this. Durrell Reeves and Steve Rabine, you guys should be the happiest people in here because there's a thing on here called a dumpster. So no more like dumpster diving and all these cans out here and, and getting, you know, trash juice all over yourself once a week. We will have a dumpster. Trash juice is nasty. I have a dog, so there's some more... St- dumpster. There's a dumpster. And so you guys will be happy about that. At about 60 more parking spots. It'll go all the way out to the woods that you can see out there by Sunset uh, Middle School. And so that parking's happening. Now, here's the deal. I don't know. We do not yet have bids on this because it's got to be approved by the town and it's got to go out for bids. So the way it will work is once that all happens, we do have some money set aside in a building fund, a pretty good little chunk in there. But we cannot spend all of that. You always got to have an emergency fund, and we always want to have that rainy, rainy day fund. So we will, su- we will use some of that. So the way it will work is once we get bids and it comes in, we'll say, hey, here's how much it costs. Here's how much we want to put into that. Here's how much we need. Go. And as soon as we get that, then the next day, pavers will be on site, and we'll get that done. Or whatever else has to be on site, excavators and all that stuff. But it will start the next day. So we'll come to you at some point in the next several months and say, here's the cost. Here's how much we have that we can spend. Here's the difference. Let's get that in cash. And as soon as we get it, we pave. All right. So that's 2020. Initiative two, it will be 2020. Initiative three. Initiative three is giving and is not connected to parking, but to a next phase, a next building phase. We got to have the parking for the next building phase. And so in 2021, we will be launching a capital campaign to move forward with our next building phase. And so we launched one in 2011, 10 years later, we'll do another one. So 2021, that'll be coming. Don't yet know like what the goal for that's going to be. In 2011, you guys gave $700,000 over and above our regular tithes and offerings just to keep the, the church moving forward. You did that in 2011. We're a bigger congregation now. So we'll see what, you know, what that goal is going to be when, when we get you know, a little bit closer to that. But do know, 2021, we will begin a giving campaign and we'll be called to, like the Magi, give costly 
sacrificial gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, those were expensive things. And so not everybody's going to be able to give the same. Don't expect that. But everybody can sacrifice the same. And do expect that. I'll sacrifice. You'll sacrifice. We'll work together and seek to give over and above. And it, it will take sacrifice. And so reaching, that's initiative one, and that is ongoing. Most important one. If we don't do that one, there's no use doing any of these others. Reaching, parking, giving. And initiative four is this, and it's building. And we've actually kind of been holding back on the true logo. This is the real logo for forward. That's the next sanctuary. It'll be up there. Those of you who've been around for a while, you've probably seen this drawing uh, for a while. But building, if the Lord blesses those other three, the reaching, the parking, and the giving campaign, if those are blessed and if that goes well, if they don't, then we won't. I mean, it's that simple. But if those go well and the Lord seems to be blessing those, then in 2023, we will break ground on our next phase. What will that be? Don't know. Depends on kind of needs at the time. But we do have two more large buildings to go on this campus as you move that way. One between this this building and the house and one that runs parallel to the street and to our driveway, parallel to our driveway. Why? Why do we need to do this? Well, several reasons. One, in here we are consistently at over 80%, you know, chairs. I mean, it is the Providence Shuffle almost weekly. Move towards the windows. Move towards the windows. It is getting crowded in here. We don't have any more space. Adults, like for groups and what there is no more space it is maxed out it is full we have people meeting in in almost closet areas you know where storage happens um, our student space which meets over at the house is less than ideal right it's it works it, we make it work it's less than ideal but i mean we just put a ton more lights down there because i was just like i'm just not comfortable with like hey bring your kids to the creepy dark house like <laughs> It's just, so we make it work, we got more lights or whatnot, but, you know, it's less than ideal. The food pantry, I mean, we just, you guys and the community came together last week, two weeks ago, provided 190 Christmases for people who would not have a Christmas, gifts for kids, food, like y'all did that, the community did that, all the food pantry does not have nearly enough space that it needs to serve this community and the surrounding communities. We don't turn people away just because they drove here from, you know, outside of Nolensville. It's for whoever is in need from wherever. And so it's time that we expand. We need more space. It's not a we want more space. It's a we need more space. And so it's time for us to move forward in these ways. Four initiatives, four years for the glory of God moving forward. As we seek to, bite by bite, eat that elephant of worshiping and enjoying God and leading others to do the same. All right? So let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these men and women, boys and girls. Thank you for uh, 2019, what you did in 2019. Thank you for what you did in that decade of the teens. And now as we turn our attention to the 20s and all that's coming down individually in our, in our lives over the next 10 years, I mean, who knows what that's going to look like. But I pray your 
I pray a corporate blessing across everyone in this room, Father, that you would work in their lives and that you would bless in such a way that when 2030 is here, we can look back at all you've done in the 20s and we will see how you have brought us to know you or to a deeper walk with you and how you've provided for us. And Father, we pray your blessing upon these initiatives. Father, if they are not what you would have, then stop us cold in our tracks. But if they are, which we believe they are, and Father, we pray you would bless them and you would help us to walk faithfully day by day, Father. And help us, Father, not to be most jazzed walking out of here by seeing a picture of a building, but by the impetus that we're pouring on reaching. That is why we exist, not to, get a, not to build a building, though we need one, but to reach other people with the gospel that they might know life and know it abundantly and eternally. And so, Father, work in us and work through us for the glory of your name. And we ask this in that name. Amen.